Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company, challenging the status quo and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of innovative craft brews and non-alcoholic options, it's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com.
Welcome to From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. You just heard 17-year-old violinist Anthony Dorsey perform Summerland from the Three Visions Suite by William Grant Still. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and that was me joining Anthony at the piano. We're coming to you today from Cincinnati, Ohio, a great place for young musicians. Cincinnati and the nearby city of Columbus are home to so many wonderful music institutions, including the Cincinnati Symphony Youth Orchestra, the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, and the Chamber Music Connection in Columbus, a program founded by one of Ohio's state treasures, Debbie Price. Cincinnati is putting on a great show for us today. We've got a talented, unique trio composed of bass, flute, and bassoon. You'll meet the concertmaster of the local youth orchestra who loves sweets and a 12-year-old classical musician who sneaks in some time for bluegrass. Now let's meet our first musician, 17-year-old Anthony Dorsey, who opened our program a moment ago. He's a Jack Kent Cook young artist, and he's here with me right now. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the program. This is amazing. Thank you. What a beautiful performance of Summerland. I loved playing it with you. You bring such a beautiful tone to every note you play. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. And that piece is describing almost heaven, right? For lack yeah. of a better word. I mean, it's a picture of paradise. Yeah. This show is featuring all young musicians from Ohio and mostly from Cincinnati. And yet you, our first performer, are not a native <laughs> Ohioan. Where were you yeah. from originally? I was born in Tampa, Florida. And when did you come to Ohio? 2015. At, at what age was that? Uh, nine years old. What was that transition like? And when did Cincinnati really start to feel like home to you? The first year here was very weird. It was mm. very cold and it was hard to fit in and find music. Mm. That was good to have like friends, find a community. Yeah. And so like it was kind of near like year two, three, where I found the Starling family, and I actually had a master class with uh, Professor Sossman's house. And so after he invited me to his program, I kind of felt like home. So you're talking about Kurt Sossman house, one of the great violin pedagogues in the area. Yeah. It's amazing that music and a mentor or a teacher like that really can provide that stability to make you feel like you belong. And yeah. that's great that you had that. You also threw yourself into choir from what i heard and <laughs> you started a club of your own you've got a lot of initiative tell me a little bit about all that yeah so i've been doing choir for a really long time even back in florida so probably more than five six years so mm -hmm. i joined a choir in the church i'm a part of and so it was kind of all through junior high and then in high school i joined the um the varsity choir, what they call it sometimes. I love that. <laughs> varsity choir. We need yeah. to <laughs> the varsity the choir. sports terms. Yeah. yeah, that's great. But um, I joined that. We do a lot of great concerts, and we collaborate with a lot of great schools and a lot of great programs. I did form a foosball club my sophomore year with a friend, and so nice. we got two new foosball tables in one of the rooms, and so we held, uh, or we still hold, like, cash tournaments. For foosball. Cash tournaments. <laughs> yeah, cash tournaments. Whoa, this is like the Cincinnati Underground yeah. <laughs> Foosball League. For our listeners who don't know, foosball is? It's kind of ping pong <laughs> with the soccer ball with little men you... It's, yeah, like little, little, little men skewered on a metal rod, yeah. kicking a soccer ball around. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's great. So who do you live with at home? I live with my mom and dad and then my younger brother, Aaron. Right, and you yeah. also have an older brother. He's an alum of From the Top, Daniel Dorsey. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what about pets? Yeah, I had two goldfish when I was very young. There's a look in your eye like there's a story there. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we had two goldfish, and 
they were very comfortable like the first year or two and then um one day we found one goldfish like nibbling on the other and then the Uh next day the one that was being nibbled on was gone we saw like scraps of them it was gone and the the other goldfish was just there swimming we were kind of like stunned so we we just got rid of wow so (laughs) the punishment fit the crime i guess (laughs) yeah no murderous, cannibalistic goldfish allowed in the Dorsey house. Yeah. Anthony, you seem so grounded just now as we perform together, so at ease. Have you ever not felt that way? Have your nerves ever gotten the better of you? Yeah. So when I was seven, uh, I was playing at uh, one of my brother's graduations. I just started music like two years before. I was supposed to play something really easy, like humoresque, but once they introduced me and told me to come up from the audience, I couldn't go up fear like really overcame me so after that it felt really horrible that I like let my brother down but my parents were comforting me and telling me it was fine one of my other brother's graduations like a year later um I redeemed myself and played the same thing and nice and it was I just overcame myself and I was like this is amazing I love playing in front of people well now that you have more experience with handling the nerves what advice would you give to your peers who maybe struggle with that um I would say breathe and take in the moment and mm. envision yourself in the music or maybe think of yourself as floating in the sky like I do. Mm. And I tell myself, I've been in worse situations. Well, clearly you're living by your own advice because you showed up here, you nailed it at From the Top. <laughs> it was just a beautiful performance. Yeah, thank you. I have to congratulate you. You are one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. Thank you. <laughs> we are just so honored to be able to help support you and proud of you and excited for what the future holds. Good luck on your senior year. Thank you. Anthony Dorsey, 17 years old from Cincinnati, Ohio. And our next young musician is joining me right now. It's 14-year-old guitarist Beckett Cerrone from Cincinnati. Beckett, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're going to perform a piece that is very special. Tell me a little bit about it. So this piece, Deskina was written for me by Carlos Bedoya. This piece was written for you specifically. I mean, I was just having a look at the sheet music, and it says your name on it. Yeah, it's really wonderful. I'm very thankful for him. Well, whenever you're ready, Beckett, you can take this piece from the top. All right. Thank you. 
Beckett Cerrone, 14 years old, performed De Esquina a Esquina by Carlos Bedoya. Beckett is from Cincinnati, Ohio, where we are right now, and Beckett's joining me. Man, you played that piece so beautifully. It's like it was written for you. Oh, wait, it was. <laughs> Thank you. You really transported me to Colombia with that. It was beautiful. And what a great opportunity from the Guitar Foundation of America. Yeah, I got into the GFA mentorship program, and so I was given a mentor, Carlos Bedoya, and he's Colombian. I love Colombian music. He's a fantastic guy. He talks about how this piece, it's inspired from his childhood, how like around Christmas time, he would go down the neighborhood from corner to corner, which is what it means in English, de esquina, esquina. Mm -hmm. And you'd hear music, there'd be parties, dancing, and he'd meet all of his friends. And that fun time, that's what inspired him to write the piece. Talk to me a little bit about your connection to your culture. My dad's side of the family is Colombian, and I've always, whenever I'd go to their house back in Massachusetts, they'd always have Colombian music playing, always Colombian food. We'd always see all of our cousins, like huge family. Yeah. It's just like an awesome time. That's great, and so cool that now you have that connection through your own music making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know you're a big fan of South American music in general, the piece you just played is this sort of cumbia style. When I was hearing that performance, what struck me is this is music that's maybe not even what we think of as traditional concert hall music, but mm -hmm. it's more like social music or festive music. Yeah, I like that music a lot because it's kind of like you have people dancing and you're in the background. You're not the main thing, but you're still playing and you're still very important and oftentimes I'll go and perform around in Ohio like it won't be like a huge stage I'll go to the nature center and just play and people walk by and they'll stop and listen but it's not a huge thing I love playing like that you were exposed to this kind of playing outside of the concert hall even from a yeah. young age right yeah so I would have been like seven years old maybe I started guitar when I was five and there was a huge Suzuki studio, probably like 20 or 30 guitarists under this one teacher, Davis Lockie. It was so fun. Everyone like learned the same sort of pieces because they're all the Suzuki books, so everyone could play together. And mm. so he'd have all these kids go to different places like coffee shops. We went to One World Trade. We played in Carnegie Hall with Andrew York. We just played for people in a huge group. Like there'd be like 15 of us who would just go into a coffee shop and just sit down everywhere and just start playing. And it was so cool. That's so great. You're someone for whom... Music is all about sharing in the community. Frankly, I think we need more of that. Yeah, I'm so grateful for him because he like opened it up for me. Before that, it would have just been practicing at home and doing lessons. But then that made guitar more fun. Yeah. And I'm like still doing that ever since. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. If by some chance there's a young guitarist listening to this conversation right now, can you make the case that guitar and classical guitar specifically is something that's worth the investment. I think what's special about classical guitar is it, you can play a song so many different ways. There's so much musicality. You can play any song any way you like, and it'll be different from the next person playing it. And so you can just be yourself. You certainly did that today, Beckett. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. You know, I hope you just keep getting out there and performing for everyone you can. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Beckett Cerrone is 14 years old from Cincinnati, Ohio. Support for NPR comes from this station and from BritBox with Archie, based on the true story of Hollywood icon Cary Grant, a new original drama starring Jason Isaacs. Archie, now streaming at BritBox.com NPR. 
From the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. And from listeners like you, who donate to this NPR station. After that exciting virtual trip to Medellin, Colombia with Beckett Cerrone, we're now back in Cincinnati with our next young musician, 12-year-old cellist Sonia Muma, who will be gracing us with Requiebros for Cello and Piano by Gaspar Casado. I'm Peter Dugan, and I'm going to try to keep up with her at the piano. Sonia, are you ready to do this? Yes. Can't wait. Whenever you're ready, let's take it from the... From the top! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
12-year-old Sonia Mumal on the cello. With me, Peter Dugan at the piano, we performed Requiebros for cello and piano by Gaspar Casado. Sonia is from Cincinnati, Ohio, where we are right now. I'm just still smiling from that performance with you. You bring so much joy and so much energy to that piece. It was great. Thank you. You're a musician's musician. Can I say that? Because you have studied many different styles, as we're going to hear later. I was so fascinated reading about your practicing routine, how you approach practicing. Fill me in on what your routine is. Um, just starting from the beginning of the practice session, I do my like scales and exercises differently. I like to do all the modes to like cover the jazz part of it. And I do different arpeggio and like broken third drills to um, help with my improvising. When you say you do all the modes, I mean, there are a lot of modes to go through and there's 12 keys, 12 major, 12 minor. So how much of that do you actually get to in a given day? Just on the mode aspect, I spend like 20 minutes. So I'll get like halfway through my modes every day-ish. With one key? With or one like... key. So I'll do all the modes wow. in one key and then do like my blue scales and my pentatonic scales and my diminished scales and chromatic and everything. And then I'll go on to the next key when I finish that key. And it'll take, I think I'm on like F sharp and I started maybe a month or two ago, maybe. It like takes a really long time to do that. Wow. So I just want our listeners to kind of conceptualize this where... We think of someone practicing scales and da 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 right? And then, and then the next one. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, okay, I did them all. What you're describing, and this is why I wanted to talk to you about it, it's a really sophisticated approach. And you're 12, so I'm, I'm just a little bit humbled. You're making a whole study out of every single key. Talk about, first of all, the motivation of why or how you ended up doing this, because I've never spoken to a young classical musician who is this kind of approach to scales, and then what you get out of that or how it improves your musicianship? Um, well, I wasn't the one who came up with this process. My dad came up with this. And like before the modes, I'll do bowing exercises and other things. It helps me with my music. It helps me, like, first it gets the sounds, like, in my ear, so it's easier to improvise. And then, like, while I'm improvising, I can say, oh, yeah, this is just, like, the Lydian of this key, and these are the notes I'm supposed to play, and this is the chord I associate it with. Like, it kind of helps me bridge yeah. all of that together. Mm -hmm. And then I'll also do it in, like, broken thirds, fourths, fifths, sixths, like, et cetera, up to octaves, and that also helps. I can play broken thirds in my improvising easily because of that. Right, right. You mentioned that your dad kind of helped come up with this program of theoretical exercise and everything. Is he a professional musician? He is not a professional musician. So where does that come from? Where did he come up with that? Well, my dad's parents are both classical musicians, so he grew up with that. Got it. He listens to like a lot of different kinds of music, mm -hmm. and he works at home. So he'll sit down and record himself with these ideas or just like write them down somewhere. And then eventually we'll like revisit them and then we'll morph them into something that actually works. I think it's making you such a well-rounded musician. Thank and you. it seems like you kind of enjoy practicing every day. Yeah. Is it ever a grind? I mean, is it ever like, oh, I don't want to do this? Yes. How do you push through yes. those moments? 
I like think about like when I don't practice, like the weeks I don't get enough practice in, I'll like go back to something and it was like really good the day before, but then like my fingers like just don't remember how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I think about like how much I lose if I don't practice this one day. And really just like sitting down and doing a little bit is like so beneficial. Yeah. And then mostly it's just like, I'm tired and I don't want to do this, but I mean, <laughs> I ha- kind of have to. Yeah. So like, you just, yeah. you show up and you put the work in. Yeah. Is it worth it? The reward? Totally. Yeah, I thought so. So genre, obviously you're a fantastic classical player. What other genres do you feel comfortable in as a performer? I also like playing bluegrass and jazz a lot. Mm -hmm. Bluegrass is like the main style that both my parents like. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got introduced to that. And eventually I was like, well, I want to play this too because it sounds really cool and it's like really fun. Right. And so I started five... At five, six, I started playing bluegrass. Now, bluegrass cello is, it's not unheard of, but it's kind of rare. Yeah. Um, did you, have you had like a mentor that, that's led you through the study of it or? Not really. Two people that really support me are Missy Warner and Artie. Artie's a bass player and Missy Warner is a mandolin player. Mm-hmm. They play in the Missy Warner band and they've really like helped me I play gigs with them a lot, and I go to like a weekly Monday jam with them. I started with just my dad like helping me through like the basics of like chopping and improvising. And we're going to get a chance to hear you play some bluegrass in just a minute. How would you describe your relationship to the cello? I've never really thought about it, actually. It's just <laughs> like a thing that I do, and I've done it for a long time, and it's like a thing I enjoy a lot of my life, like kind of revolves around like how much I've practiced that day like what is going on at the moment and like what's happening in my music Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like it's almost like part of you I mean it is it's part of who you are what would you say is your biggest dream for yourself definitely to get recognized by big cellists like Sterling Elliott and uh, Santiago Canon Valencia like one of my favorite cellists he's so good um, like to get recognized by those people. Oh, that's going to happen. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, and then like a personal goal is to like live with my brother on the beach or something and like a little place where we can just like be together. Cause we're like really, really close. How old's your brother? He is eight years old, I think. Oh. Sonia, before you go, I'm wondering if you would treat us all to a little taste of some bluegrass. Yeah, Sure. Thank you. What are you going to play for us? I'm going to be playing Jerusalem Ridge, written by Bill Monroe. This piece holds a very special place in my heart. I think it was one of the first ones I learned, and then it's my mom's favorite, so. Nice. Yeah. Sonia, thank you again for being with us. You rock, and I can't wait to hear this bluegrass. Thank you for having me on the show. 12-year-old Sonia Mumaw from Cincinnati, Ohio, with Jerusalem Ridge by Bill Monroe. Thank you. 
You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from BritBox with Archie, the man who became Cary Grant, a new original drama following the rise of a Hollywood icon. Archie, now streaming at BritBox.com NPR. From the Pew Charitable Trusts, sharing how people and communities can come together in polarizing times on the After the Fact podcast, available at pewtrusts.org slash afterthefact. And from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth... Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.